0: Money won't buy happiness, but poor stewardship will steal happiness. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham. Today's discussion is going to be about infinite banking, heirs, and beneficiaries. Now Nash does an excellent job in his book, Becoming Your Own Banker, discussing an even distribution of age classes, and he uses his background as a forester to lay out a very comprehensive scenario that we can then translate to all things legacy, long-range planning, intergenerational financial planning, things that we would be discussing that are pertinent to this issue of discussing heirs, beneficiaries, the next generation. In fact, he opens by making a reference to Scripture in Proverbs, chapter 13, verse 22, where he says that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And that's what he continues to talk about, again, using his background, discussing an even distribution of age in relation to forestry trees having a 40 year plan of planting coaling making some intermittent cuttings at appropriate ages and then ultimately arriving at the best cultivated yield you know 40 years along and breaking up a large parcel of ground to be able to compartmentalize um, different segments to facilitate cutting here, pruning there, final yield here, and, and alternating between these so that we're doing all different kinds of things. We are capitalizing for the future. We are receiving some cash flow from those intermediate cuttings, sure. And then, of course, the windfall of this ultimate planned yield that we will see long range. Now, what this makes me think of when I begin to think of intergenerational thinking and planning, when I begin to think of heirs and beneficiaries, the kind of impact and legacy and setup that I would like to leave, it makes me consider my own. You know, my wife and I, had a very traditional start, I would say, for our generation, which was we went to school. We were encouraged to also go to college. So we pursued our further education, getting degrees for applicable jobs that we would then pursue. And we started out right out of college, married and in love, looking to do all the things like get a vehicle, get a home start paying off the student loan debt that we had accrued, take a vacation every now and all these different things that we were going to do. And of course, we either conventionally financed those things or we had to save up from our work and pay cash for those things. So what I'd like to point out here in this discussion is that we consider where did we start from reflect back, look at where we all started from, and you know where you started from, and then consider what would we like it to look like for that next generation, for the generation after that. And really, I'm just going to question us all, myself included, how far out are we willing to think? You know, I believe that folks that are tuning into this channel are are folks that are looking beyond next week, Next month, we're looking long range in how we use, if you're a client, how we use our policies, what we're going to be doing with our policies, whether that's for our household or our business or investing that we do. And ultimately planning out multiple generations. I mean, I can remember the first time that I was even exposed to the idea of thinking eight generations ahead. And as sure as my wife and I started life in love and married and going on this journey of running a household and pursuing careers and building a family and all these different things, just as sure as that happened, it was the case a generation prior to mine. That was the case two generations prior to mine and and so on. So the time's going to go by either way is what I'm pointing out. So if we will begin to... Imagine and plan and make some decisions and implement some ideas and learn what we need to. We can be thinking ahead, like that scripture said, that we make those good decisions that will impact our children's children. So after Nash goes through an even distribution and he's in, and, and I'm seven years into becoming my own banker. My wife and I own multiple policies with multiple companies. We pay significant premiums. We use our policies. We've probably committed every error, every mistake that we could have along the way. So I'm still a student. I'm saying that, and I'm trying to point out that when we read the book first in 2015, it had a big paradigm shift for us. Big impact, and yet today when I reread this section in anticipation of this podcast episode releasing, it's still yielding new results for me, new information. I see it differently. We've we've caught on to a lot of things along the way, of course, but when we go back to the original source, R. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker, it still impacts me in a big way, and I still am learning from it. So I encourage you to read where he's talking about the forestry example, the forestry analogy. But then he does transition into talking about a model couple who were grandparents. And at the time that they caught on to this idea of personal family financing, of privatizing their banking, of implementing the infinite banking concept, they began to procure policies on grandchildren. So again, I would say, I would point out that more is caught than taught. You know, our children will pick up on what we do much more than what we say. And I'm not trying to diminish what we can say as as parents or grandparents or influential people in younger persons' lives, but they catch on to what they see us doing. So when we own policies and we use policies for our privatized banking that's going to have an impact that would be different than just passing along a good book or or talking about the idea, but actually being about it, because more is caught than taught. So these grandparents, in getting policies for two generations ahead, what they did were a few things. So. One, and and it cannot be understated because we are talking about life insurance. Now, what we're specifically talking about are whole life policies with mutual companies that pay a dividend. And in procuring policies from these companies at such an early age, for sure, we are minimizing the underwriting requirements for that individual, that body that we're wanting to insure because a one-year-old, a two-year-old, a three-year-old, a four-year-old, a five-year-old is going to have a different underwriting bar or threshold to meet than a 22, 42, 62, 70. So how, whatever the, the the greater number is, obviously we're talking about underwriting requirements such as age, health, gross income, sure. And, and the, the threshold is just much lower for children. And I don't know what my health will be like tomorrow. I don't know what my health will be like next year. Neither do you. Although we can do things to, to optimize it. I understand, but the time's going to go by either way. So, in procuring policies on younger individuals and the younger the better, I mean, once we understand how compounding interest works and we can enjoy the private ownership of an appreciating asset. Don't get me rolling too much on the characteristics of these these banking-style policies. But once we catch on to that and we realize that there's this constant upward trend, when do we want that to start? How big do we want that to be? You know, when is the best time to plant a tree? You know, it was 40 years ago, but the next best time is today. So the sooner we can get policies on children, we are mitigating Uh, the amount of underwriting that's going to have to go into getting policies on children. And that's a beautiful thing because we don't know what the future holds for health and whatnot. And that's the whole point is that we're getting whole life insurance, permanent life insurance. And the influence that that had from those grandparents getting policies on those grandchildren was that then when the children... The children of those grandparents, the original grandparents, patriarch, matriarch, when their children then became the grandparents, well, then the baton was passed to be able to get policies on the next generation. So we're four generations deep now on that fourth generation and securing policies on all of those great-grandchildren at that point, but grandchildren for the original children. I hope you're following along with me. So now, the first and the second generations have made sure to get protection and coverage on the third and the fourth generations in their turn. Well, let's pause here real quick and point out that when the life insurance policies mature on the original first generation, the death benefit that is received tax-free is what can now begin to make this system that we're beginning to see become self-sustaining. So when you receive the death benefit, the face amount from a whole life policy, a permanent policy, that is tax-free. So it's a tax-free transfer of wealth from one generation to the next. So now the premiums that were being paid or other premiums that Can be paid, can now go into again existing policies, new policies. We, depending on where the family's at and its growth, we could be ensuring even the next generation, that fifth generation. So that tax free transfer of wealth can facilitate this system of older generations, ensuring younger generations. It can make it self. Sufficient, And obviously, the more times that this happens, the greater, the more exponential that growth is going to be. So, again, taking it back to considering where my wife and I started, at least, with love in our hearts and long rows ahead of us to plow, sure, I would like things to be even better. And I'm not complaining. I have no complaints. Um, But also I understand, we see it in Scripture, and I understand that you are probably feeling the same way, that absolutely we as parents and grandparents would like things to be even better. If we can make them that way, we would like them to be even better for our children and for our grandchildren and as far out as we can walk that. So the tax-free transfer of wealth, from one generation to the next because the original parents or grandparents decided to insure themselves first, and then they skipped ahead to, and, and could you start with children? Could you start with grandchildren? Absolutely, of course. And of course, we need to remember that the threshold to meet for underwriting a zero-year-old, an infant, a one-year-old, a two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, five-year-old, so on, is is going to be much easier uh, than trying to ensure someone who is 25, 45, 65, 85. And also, if we can think long-range enough to realize that, yes... And there's always going to be a capitalization phase, I understand. But let's say, just like Nash, I'll just use his example. Let's say there are 20 years, and I'm not saying only do 20 years. But, for example, let's say we say that those original grandparents pay 20 years' worth of premiums without leveraging the cash values in those policies, because that's a whole different level. Well, in comparison to those premiums that were paid for 20 years the ultimate death benefit that will transfer tax free to those future generations is is incomparable it's 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 far greater it's going to be far greater than the amount of premiums that were paid so by capitalizing over those 20 years it's leading to a guaranteed greater yield because we were able to think long range, because we decided to capitalize. And for sure, I mean, and the options are beautiful. When those original grandparents either decide that the timing is appropriate, or they could have it to be that upon their death, upon their graduation, that those policies on the grandchildren, let's say, are transferred in ownership to the, children or to the grandchildren themselves or, or whomever, they can have that transfer, the ownership transfer, because it was not on their bodies, it was on the grandchildren. So they can transfer the ownership because it's a private asset. And now we certainly can get to talking about the living benefits. So that scenario, so far, we were just talking about procuring whole life insurance policies, generation to generation. Now let's begin talking and, and discussing the death benefit and how that could impact this privatized family system, this privatization of banking for this family from generation to generation. Well, now once we begin talking about the living benefits and begin to apply the infinite banking concept and start asking questions like, well, if, if, if it's great, and it is, that one generation who finds themselves perhaps even more capable than younger generations because they've had more time to earn throughout their life to pay premiums for these policies, if that generation begins to finance their vehicles, finance their vacations, finance their fill in the blank, I mean, business equipment, investments, you name it, if they begin to use the infinite banking concept to finance their livelihood or their business or their investing, then that's just going to make the cash values that much more and then ultimately, obviously, therefore, the death benefit that much more than it otherwise would have been. So it's going to be even better. And then if the next generation does the same, again, we're seeing this snowball effect take place where we're getting it started and it just gets bigger and bigger, but in an exponential way. Now, one more thing that I would say about this intergenerational planning and acting is that, yes, I know I've already said more caught than taught. You know, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren will catch on to what they see us doing more, better, quicker than just hearing us talk about it, I imagine. That to be true, and I'm sure you would as well. More is caught than taught. Sure, it makes sense to get policies on ourselves first. And in fact, if my wife and I were to go and get policies on our children, I mean, that's going to be a question that the insurance company is going to have. Well, how much death benefit do you have? How much coverage and protection do you have on yourselves? Because you are the caretakers, you are the parents, you are the providers for these children. So it wouldn't even make sense to be trying to get life insurance on children without having life insurance on the caretakers and parents. So we see the, the the sense in first getting adequate protection on ourselves and accounting for our need of finance first, and then looking to expand our system to cover members of the family, for sure. And what I would say is that by purposefully and intentionally setting up such a system. It gives us the perfect opportunity, if I can, reference Scripture. This isn't one that Nash specifically referenced in this segment of his book on the even distribution of age classes, but it would be another proverb where it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. That's Proverbs 22.6. So it's a great opportunity for us to teach our children, to show our children and grandchildren how we as a family, how the Durham's have privatized their banking where we're not beholden to third party lenders. And when it comes time for vehicles or houses or vacations or business equipment or investments or just any of these things, that's what we've been building this private family bank this banking system of ours for, to be able to facilitate all of those things. So it's a great opportunity to train up our children in a much different way so that they can have a much different start than perhaps what we had. And here I will use a reference to Nash where he says, when we know what's going on, we'll know what to do. And I talk with clients about that regularly. You know, what my focus and emphasis is on is teaching on educating on coaching mentoring and cheerleading and just encouraging you in the knowledge of this idea of becoming your own banker you understanding it so if you're vetting this idea as well i would say that the whole impetus of this channel and podcast and me coming on here you know multiple times a week is to be able to encourage and teach and coach and mentor in the concept that you can become your own banker. Because what I believe is exactly what Nash said. I believe that when we do know what's going on, we will of ourselves know what we want to do. Therefore, when talking about heirs and beneficiaries in this intergenerational planning, when our children, when we teach our children what's going on, they will know what to do. I, I know that from time to time just being in the financial space i know that from time to time i will come across instances or hear about instances where someone may say something about well why should i get you know insurance on myself if if i die i don't want my wife to be able to be living the high life without me uh, or perhaps with with someone else if she remarries or, or what have you and for me, that does not align very well with my approach, with my mentality and thinking on things, and it very well may be the case that our paths would not overlap very long. If someone is, you know, vetting this idea and that's that's their that's their take, you know, I'm very enthused about working with folks who care very much for their spouses and for their children and for the future generations that they have not even met yet the future generations that don't even exist yet that's that's what I love that's what I'm here for and an, another is the idea that well I'm not going to tell my children about you know what we earn what we have what we do and I'm either going to just, you know, thrust it upon them at the last moment or not at all. And again, you do what you want to do. What I'm saying here is that my approach is a very proactive approach where I want my children to understand these things. I want to encourage them to be able to handle these things themselves. And, and I anticipate, I expect that they will do far better than I have been able to do. That is my absolute expectation. So I I don't want to withhold information for them. I don't want to hold education from them. I don't want to withhold knowledge from them. Rather, I want to give them everything that I can. I want to speed up their learning curve as much as I can. I want to be able to set the bar higher as much as I can so they can go even further and farther and faster and beyond anything that that we will be able to do ourselves. And if that lines up with with your thinking, then we should we should be having a discussion about that for you. Now, this multi generational family bank approach is beautiful in so many ways. It encapsulates long range planning, like Nash says so frequently in his book, long range planning intergenerational thinking and acting. Not only that, but for sure, it actually takes into, a, a by building a system like this, it facilitates lots of other things later on. You know, us not having to be reliant upon Social Security or any other government programs, but rather we can create our own and be guaranteed a passive income ourselves by capitalizing and building up such a system as this we can be enjoying passive income in our later years or retirement years i don't i don't normally try to use retirement in my own um, vocabulary that's that's it's a word that i'm trying to expel but i'm going to use it for the commonality of it here but when we get to where we want passive income having a system of policies that is appreciating compounding uninterrupted, even when we are accessing the capital in those policies. As long as we're playing an honest banker, all it's going to do is get bigger, better, faster, grow, and it'll provide that passive income. Also, it's going to be protecting us from taxes because if we are accessing the cash values in our policy by procuring policy loans from the mutual life insurance companies that we're part owners of, then we can do that tax-free. And taxes are the largest eroder perhaps to wealth. So anytime that we could be doing anything tax-free, that's in our favor. I do believe that stewardship is promoted in this multi-generational, intergenerational setup of privatizing our banking because it is all about intentionality, purposefully accounting for our need of finance and considering the future generations and either starting. I mean, somebody's got to start, you know, my wife and I, we've started for our branch of the family tree and, and we're encouraging others to get educated, to understand this idea so that you can be well fit to begin setting up a different paradigm for your branch of your family tree so somebody's got to start it if it's going to be different so stewardship is promoted and i certainly do want our children to be intentionally and purposely making their way through life not beholden to third-party lenders but being able to finance the things that they want to be able to do, whatever their hopes and dreams and ambitions are. And what we should realize is that we're not just honing in on a product. Now, the product of whole life insurance, properly structured for the banking purpose with a mutual company that pays a dividend, that is the best appreciating asset that I am aware of in America today how we use that what we know to know how to use that is what makes all the difference and that's why i encourage us to read nash's book to have conversations to plug into information like this where i'm trying to give my best practices of our several years of experience as consumers as customers ourselves owning these policies and using these policies and now professionally Coaching, mentoring, and teaching other people how to be able to do the exact same. So the process of banking is what is also being taught to our heirs and beneficiaries. So that, yes, even after we start it, we're, we're encouraging the stewardship. We're elaborating and demonstrating this process of infinite banking so that it doesn't end with us so that it does continue and perpetuate and grow and expand and develop from generation to generation to generation, as far as we can wrap our minds around and as far as we can sit, you know. And here we could talk about lots of different things. We could talk about family meetings and and perhaps we will and should. And, and, and I know that I do with, with clients. We should probably put more information here. But Setting up family meetings, whether that's you know, generations of a family getting together once a year, a couple times a year, a few times a year, talking about the kinds of things that we're just just sketching out here quickly. Trusts, and and I'm I'm not a CPA, I'm not a tax advisor, I'm not any of those things, but I'm saying these are items that could be on our radar when considering owning a system of properly structured policies and how we want that to perpetuate to heirs and beneficiaries. Perhaps we should uh, consider trusts, building up a family library, having wills, of course, um, building up and procuring a professional financial team. So I highly encourage you to talk with all your financial professionals estate planning will social security or will it not and should we plan on it playing a role in our later life what about our philanthropy what would we like to be able to perpetuate when we are gone outside of our family the the organizations or churches or nonprofits that we would like to be able to contribute to even beyond our years here in this life so our legacy ultimately these are all things that could be discussed, perhaps should be discussed when considering heirs and beneficiaries so that we perpetuate these things that we care about. And what I will say here is this, that Nash says on page 72, he says that money won't buy happiness, but poor stewardship will steal happiness. So I understand it's a common saying. Money won't buy happiness. Perhaps we'll cover it on our quote series on the channel. Money won't buy happiness. But we've perhaps, all of us, experienced some time where, because we were stewarding what we had at our disposal poorly, we were robbed of joy, of happiness that we could have experienced in that time if we had done better. So, I'm here to do better. I'm still a student I'm still learning. I'm still on my journey and on my path. And if you're on yours to considering how to impact one, two, three, four, five, six generations ahead into the future, all while accounting for your need for finance now, well, then let's have a discussion. You can reach me at 828-817-4223. Or you can email DurhamTalents at gmail.com. I do look forward to our next conversation. This has been a great pleasure for me. Have a great day. Take care. My name is Optimus Prime. (laughs) My name. Nope, that's not it. Nope, too much growly. Mm -mm. Use the... No, that's not it. (laughs) Use the force, you must. There is no try. Only do. That was pretty good, wasn't it? It's not bad from switching from Optimus Prime right over to Yoda. It's gonna be great. Hello and welcome to the Durham Talents channel. My name is Jesse Durham.